You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Today is Pastor Paul Boostrom. He's been in the pastoral ministry for 43 years and is now retired and serves the area with filling the pulpits for those who request. So if you would, welcome Pastor Paul Boostrom. Good morning. I appreciate the briefness of that introduction because Dan is my brother-in-law and he could tell a lot of stories. I began ministry after seminary 43 years ago, uh, and uh, most of those years as pastor, I had a children's sermon. And you've dismissed the children, so you folks are going to be the, the children this morning. I, I didn't even get this children's sermon idea till we were entering Mason City this morning. Uh, and normally I have an object lesson, maybe in a bag, and I pull it out, and here it is. We're talking about it. I didn't bring this object lesson. I saw it as we're driving down the street, and this couple's on a sidewalk there walking their two dogs, the second of which was a big old greyhound dog. And I decided not to bring that with. <laughs> now, greyhounds are a breed of dog that's bred for one purpose only. What is that? Racing. I don't know the history of this dog, so I'm not saying anything about that couple or that dog in particular. But as I think about that breed of dogs, if that dog or any other greyhound dog, somebody says, oh, isn't that a cute dog? I want that dog for a pet. That's not why it exists. You say, oh, let's take this greyhound and go hunting. Good luck. It's not a hunter. Or they say, that dog won't hunt. Or if you want to make it to chase a ball or do a lot of other things, maybe you can do that. But that's not, no, not why it is in existence. That's not its purpose. I thought about that greyhound dog. I thought about you and me. Why are you here? What were we bred for? According to scripture, we are here for the praise of his glorious grace. We were made in the image of God to spend our lives, not in racing greyhounds, not a lot of other things we spend our time on, but as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And everything else is going to be an unfortunate, perhaps fun, something other than what we were created for. End of children's sermon. Now get inside your brain and flip the switch from children to adult and get ready to go a little deeper, okay? First question. All right, have you ever looked back on a day of your life and thought, that was a total waste? Maybe it was that night as you're looking at what happened during the day and you spent the whole day waiting in a doctor's office. Or maybe it's the next day or a week later, you're looking back at the, the tests you took on your final exams. <laughs> well, that was a wasted day. I think most everybody would probably say, yeah, I've been there, done that. Too many times I want to talk about. Matter of fact, there's a number of us here who could probably say, I wasted a whole week of my life. Not that I'm proud of it, but I went on a vacation that just fell apart. Or I went to a seminar that didn't teach me anything. Whatever it might be, I wish we could go beyond that to somebody who said, I wasted a whole year or however long. Well, as Dan mentioned, uh, it's been a long time since I began in ministry. And 
I've had a couple times in the past three months where I looked back and said, did I waste my life? I might not be the only person here who thinks thoughts like that sometimes. The reason that came on me this year, not because I turned 68, but because it was 50 years ago last month that I got my call into ministry. I was planning on a career in the Army. I was a cadet at West Point when the Lord spoke to me and said, your work here is done. Come and serve me. So I left the academy. I went to four years of college, three years of seminary, and started in the ministry. And I got, my call was to two little churches, pastoring one in Charles City, Iowa, and North Springs, Iowa. Never heard of them before. I'm a Chicago boy, which his family has reminded me of more than once. Uh, and there was culture shock coming from there to Norris Springs, I can tell you. But I look back and, and say, okay, Lord, let's see. Uh, I'll give you the short version. I thought things were going great at my churches as I watched them grow. I'm having a great time. My wife, his sisters, uh, we're having a great time watching churches double in size and move on somewhere else. And then this past, well, just beginning of last month, I get word that one of the churches they had worked hard at for years, had decided to close its doors. And only before that, a couple of years before that, another one had done the same. I look back at all these churches I served. One is thriving. The rest are either dead or close to it. Lord, did I waste my life? The Lord was trying to tell me that uh, that wasn't the case. I kind of felt his voice saying, were you faithful? Were you faithful while you were there? Yeah, Lord, I think I was. Well, then you were a success. This is a little quickie sermon for those who were stuck at this point in your life. If somehow you're thinking, Lord, I think I wasted the whole thing. My life is a disaster. Have you been faithful? Maybe the way God measures success is different from yours. I want to get on to that here at the rest of the point, but please don't lose yourself in the fact that God values you in a certain way and his voice matters and his Vote is the one that counts. The Old Testament passage I have to share with you is from Psalm 133. For those of you who don't have your Bible, I'll tell you what it says. Okay. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, poured, uh, and, and, and coming down the beard, on Aaron's beard, and running down onto the collars of his robes. It is as the dew of Hermon we're falling on Mount Zion, here where God blesses and says, here's the blessing of life forevermore. This is King David talking about how beautiful it is, how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And he likens it to two other things in his metaphor there, one of which is oil, precious oil poured on the head and uh, the idea of this comes from Exodus where God commands Moses to, to do this with the chief priests, the first one of whom will be his brother Aaron. And so in Leviticus, they do that, and they're out there pouring oil on Aaron's head, and then here, centuries later, David writes it down. King David is saying it was coming down his beard and onto his collar. They didn't just go pour. They went pour and poured it on. And he says that kind of Glorious excess is what it feels like when brothers are getting along well. 
I mentioned that quickly this morning because congregations where they're looking for a pastor, sometimes there are times where there could be tension. Will people fall away? Or will, will there be this glorious, awesome uh, getting together with this, this uh, fellowship of the brothers living together in unity? What an opportunity to show how the Spirit of God just owns the place because we're going to get along. We have our reason to exist. Then he has a second example here. Uh, and, and so he's, he's talking about the dew, and the dew of Mount Hermon, for those of you not familiar with the topography and geography of the Middle East, north of Israel, the highest mountain is Mount Hermon, up in what is now Syria. It's almost always cloud-covered, a lot of rain up there. Mount Zion is one of the hills of Jerusalem, doesn't rain there a whole lot. The dew, I've been there, I don't remember dew any morning in Jerusalem, but it's pretty constant up in Mount Hermon. Matter of fact, Mount Hermon's the only place you'll find in that whole area of the Middle East where they have a ski resort because of the snow they've got. The snow and rain from Hermon melts and comes on down, forms a place called the Sea of Galilee, and onto the Jordan River. I imagine you've heard of those. Uh, so they, here's David saying, wouldn't it be great if the kind of dew and rain they had there could fall over here on my city? That'd be great. That'd be as glorious for us as if brothers dwell together in unity. As glorious as God giving us life forevermore. All right, that's my Old Testament passage. I'm coming to it because of this idea of the pouring on here that David refers to that was mentioned back in Exodus and Leviticus as we go to the passage from the New Testament, Matthew chapter 26. An incident near the end of the life of Jesus. I'll be jumping in here. At verse 6, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. I'll pause for a moment. You can find the same story, or very, very similar, uh, the way Mark writes it in his gospel. This story is not mentioned in Luke or John. Luke and John also have a somewhat similar story, but it's not the same incident. Luke and John are recording one not, one not happened in the house of Simon the leper, but it happened in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In their versions, it's a woman we know as Mary who is pouring oil on Jesus' feet. Here we have an unknown woman who is pouring oil on Jesus' head. Now, one other quick note, Simon the leper is not a leper. If he was, he would not be living at home. They would have made him leave the area. Also, if he was Simon the leper, nobody would have had lunch with him. So it's right that Matthew writes that this is a man known, known as Simon the leper because he bumped into a fellow called Jesus the Christ. And now he's Simon used to be a leper. And people are glad to come to his house. And he's thrilled that he can have people come to his house. He wants to invite the whole community. I don't care what it costs. Come to lunch. I used to be a leper. And now Jesus has made me something else. I'm celebrating. Come on to my house. Well, back then, when you come to somebody's house, if you're an invited guest, you're going to be at mealtime at low tables, no chairs, 
you know, just pillows around there in a big circle, and you lean on the pillow and reach in with your right hand to grab the food. So heads in, feet out. And if, if you're not invited guest, then you can still come and kind of listen to the conversation. You kind of stand along the wall a little bit, because there wasn't much in television there back in Bethany's day then. This was a good show. So this woman comes here into this setting where Jesus is with his disciples at Simon the former leper's house, and as he's reclining at table, she comes in with her jar. An alabaster jar is a soft stone jar, and you have to carve it out. So it gets expensive with all the workmanship. And then you put whatever you want to into the jar, and you put the stone lid on it, and in time, that'll reseal itself. It doesn't unscrew. You can't pull it off. You want the stuff to come out, you have to break it. You break the neck of the stone jar, and then you can have the stuff. This is like your little piggy bank here. And inside her piggy bank, this woman had precious oil, some kind of perfume here. Now, I don't know for sure what it was. It might have been the precious one of that day was spikenard and had a great aroma, I guess. And you break it open, and people start saying, Ooh, spikenard. That precious stuff. I smelled once or twice, but I can't afford it. And she takes her life savings and this precious oil, and she comes up sidling between people to get up to by Jesus' head. And what does she do? She doesn't go dip, dip, sprinkle, sprinkle. She doesn't go, uh, dump. She starts pouring it on him. Got the picture of Aaron back there in the Old Testament? Being poured on his head. Poured on his head, poured on his head till it's running down his beard, poured on his head, and now it's coming down to his collar. And she, she's just pouring it on here. Verse 8. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. They're correct. It could have been sold for a high price. They're correct. Money could have been given to the poor. I think you can also imagine yourself sitting there, you know. Maybe there's 20 tables in this big room. I don't know how many. But as everybody's there and they watch this woman walk up to Jesus, break this, and they're all across the room. They're still smelling this stuff as she's pouring it. And you're watching it pour and pour and pour. Can't you hear the person next to you saying, that should be enough? <laughs> After a while, I say, I think, I, th I think you've got plenty there. You're wasting it. That loudest voice might have been Judas, thinking, hey, precious oil could be sold for money. He kept the money bags. We are wasting this. Why this waste? Now, I'm not sure who they were talking to, each other for sure, maybe to the woman as well, but Jesus hears of it. We jump in at verse 10. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached, throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I have just fulfilled a prophecy of Jesus. I'm preaching this to you in this part of the world. What this woman did is something Jesus wanted told. As she's taken the most precious thing of her life and dumped it on him. And they're saying, you're wasting it! 
And Jesus says, wrong. That's not a waste. That's a beautiful thing. Just a few minutes ago, you and I took part in the service of communion. Some call it the Lord's Supper, some the Eucharist, whatever the title might be. It's the body of Christ celebrating the body of Christ and his shed blood. At the time of the cross, when he shed his blood for us, there were people there looking at him saying, okay, he's dead, or just about. Ha, 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 look at him. Hey, Jesus, if you think you're Messiah, come on down. You get off that cross, I'll believe in you. Can't you save yourself? You saved others. If you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself? You're wasting your life. You only get one. Now, Jesus didn't speak right back to him there, but you can imagine what he was said. Yep, I only get one, but I can't save myself because there's people out there I care about. And somebody's got to die for their sins, either them or me. So he decided to spend his life. And some would say, you wasted it, Jesus. You didn't even make 35 years old. You wasted your life, Jesus. And you can almost imagine his father up in heaven. That's not a waste. That, that is a beautiful thing. Amen. Now, you and I can pretty well agree without too much problem that Jesus deciding to die on the cross was the right idea. That was God's plan for him. You and I can decide fairly readily that that was a beautiful thing. That old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction to me, as the songwriter said. Every time I come visit here, I learn at least one or two new songs. All right? Everywhere I go, whatever denomination I might be, I've always learned a new song. And that one this morning kind of caught my ear about that overwhelming, uh, never-ending Reckless love of God. I don't know if I'd be able to look at a cross like this one behind me here in the future without thinking of overwhelming, never-ending, reckless. And some might say, that was such a waste, Jesus. And you and I say, got that one wrong. No, that is a beautiful thing by the plan of God. Now let me get back to you and me, okay? If you haven't come to this conclusion already, and some of you probably know where I'm going. Because you might look at your life and say, what a, what a waste. Oh, God, uh, I didn't get to win the lottery. Oh, God, what a waste. I, look at the family you stuck me with or the job you stuck me with. You're not supposed to laugh at that part where the family's here, okay? All right. Um, we keep looking at our lives that way, and I don't want you to do that. First of all, let's just take the fact that we're here today. All right? Everyone here today, raise your hand. If you're not here today, you don't have to. Okay, you're here. Okay. All right. <laughs> You cannot do a thing about your past. It's done. But today, you can make a decision about today and the future. You can decide today that the rest of my life won't be a waste. Maybe the past was, but I can't change it. And you want to evaluate me that way, fine, but God might evaluate me differently. But for the future of my life, I get to help decide because I have a God who's going to put a call in my life that he, like Jesus going to the cross and he's going to ask me to be 
living with an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that says, I'm going to live not first for me, but for him. And the rest of the world might say, why are you spending so much free time at church or with the volunteer organizations, whatever? Why are you giving so much of your money to these kinds of causes? Oh, you're wasting it. It's too much. And you and I might say, actually, it's not called too much. It's called a beautiful thing. Because the person I love most wasted his life for me, according to the world. And I only get one life. And if I can waste it on him, I'm all in. I'll do that. He can have the rest of me. And oh God, thank you that you can make a beautiful thing about what I got to offer. However much or little that is. Amen? The disciples might have thought differently. The rest of the people in, in Bethany that day might have thought about it differently. They don't get to vote. Just you and God get to vote about what your future is going to be. Will it be a waste or not? And I think it's either going to be living for Jesus or it's going to be a waste. I would not have you in that position. I guess I'd go along. I, I've been at services where I noticed the pastor looked at the clock and said, oh, oh, I'm running long. I better cut it short. And other services, were, oh, golly, I've got time left. I better start all over again. I come from the school, you ought to start at the beginning, and when you get to the end, quit. <laughs> Usually if I get there too soon, it's because I talk too fast on the way in. My wife's not here to signal me that I was talking too fast today. She was asked to play piano somewhere else. I'm so thrilled to be able to come here, because I've worshipped with you several times, and even Dan, and uh, now I get a chance to be up here talking about my favorite topic, Jesus Christ the one who put a call in my life, and I've been glad to do it. Sometimes it's a little better than at other times, maybe. But I just want to figure out how can I waste the, west of, right in the, waste the rest of it on him. Because I don't call that a waste. I realize other people are doing more magnificent things, whatever, but I'll do what I can with what I got. And I invite you to join me in that. The days are going to come when there's pretty big challenges in our world, in our economy. Can I continue to give that much of my time, that much of my treasure, that much of my talent to this instead of this. And I'm just saying, well, I can't help you with that. You just go sit down with Jesus and figure it out. Don't let the world tell you what's a waste and what's precious. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this woman who is smart enough way back then. We've got 2,000 years of history after her, but she knew it was a good idea to take whatever she has and pour it on Jesus. I want to thank you for the gospel of giving ourselves to the one who gave this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love for us might invite us to join in that kind of a life. I thank you that the Spirit of Christ can live in us. And I invite you to speak to the hearts of those who are unsurrendered today. 
Father, if there's some right here this morning that have been around the church, around the gospel, but haven't surrendered yet, may your spirit speak to their hearts and point out to them that they have been wasting their past and they don't have to waste their future, but they can open their hearts to you today. Father, I want to thank you for those of us who've already surrendered to the lordship of your son, our Savior Jesus. And ask that as we have been so easily distracted by the things of this world, by the attentions of, of our, our bills or our blessings, we can get distracted from you. Help us to remember why we're here, to be to the praise of your glorious grace. Show us how we can be beautiful things in your sight. To the glory of Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.